You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. Everybody say hey to Matt Cochran. Big friendly hello. And uh, Matt Cochran, you are looking very fine today. The beard is just, sometimes it's short, sometimes Trimmed it's long. It it's just the right length. I just want to make Trimmed that comment. Trimmed it up cut myself shaving too, and so you, it's awesome. You cut yourself a little bit? It's like probably 12 times in my entire life, lifetime I cut myself shaving, and today is one. The Lord was like, you're going to be on the stage today. Yeah, Go ahead and so, cut a... Yeah, you got a good shape. My dad always says, Braggs, he has a good shaped head, and I agree with him. I mean, I tried to buzz my hair down one time, and it didn't look quite as good as Matt. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan and Casey Wong are the three that I would put up as the uh, <laughs> mantles of uh, maybe, maybe a Vin Diesel kind of thing or a rock. You got to have a sheen, a shine. You got to have a good contour, and you got all that going on. Yeah. Well, yeah. Did we say hey to you? Did everybody say hey, Matt? Say hey, Matt. Good morning, good morning, good morning. They did, yeah. Um, listen, we've been, uh, we've been doing this thing, and uh, I think it's just because I'm a youth pastor. I, I, just, I was a youth pastor, and I, and I like the idea of us kind of sitting all together. Uh, we kind of have a case of the Julys, which is in, ch- in church language just means that people are in the boat and at the lake and just worshiping out at uh, Jocassi this morning, so that's a good thing. Um, but I'm going to call one, two, three break, and I would love for us to all gather down here in the uh, orchestra pit down here right in front of the sound booth. And uh, today the topic of conversation is... I've been saying we've been discussing values and talking about values, and today we're going to talk about uh, the value of fellowship. We're having conversations, not conclusions, discussions, not necessarily decisions on the, the topic and the value of fellowship. As I call one, two, three, break, if we want to uh, come on down front in front of the soundboard and um, uh, maybe meet somebody new, and just, and just for 60 seconds, I want to talk about uh, what does fellowship mean to you, a word, a word or two, couple things that you would share with that person as you as you meet uh, as you come on down past the sound booth all right so we're gonna all stand up on the count of three one two three break go meet somebody new and then uh, talk about fellowship for 60 seconds we're gonna get started right after that Put it in reverse, Terry. I thought I was thinking of you on the fourth. I was like, just put it in reverse. Just back it up. Back up, Terry. Put it in reverse. Give a 15-second warning. I always feel bad when I'm talking and then the guy up front just cuts it off. You know what I mean? I was like the diamonds on the side. There's diamonds. It's kind of got that, speaking of Stranger Things, it was like, this, this is the movie theater, kind of from the 80s. <clears throat> All right, let's go ahead and uh, shuffle down and, and find our places. Uh, great to be with you guys this morning, right here in the middle of July. Um, uh, as I've been sharing earlier, you know, July usually is when attendance kind of gets th- uh, thinner, um, and people are, in a good way, just kind of... Uh, in family mode, in vacation mode, in rest mode. 
And uh, we value that. Uh, we value rhythms of, of rest and, and work and, and absolutely um, love and value family. I think a lot of times when we talk about family, uh, one of the things that needs to be entailed in that is um, being intentional, being intentional with our time, with our rhythms, with, with what we do. Um, family is absolutely something that doesn't happen on accident and is absolutely something that we do all the time and decide all the time to do and, and, and choose into or choose out to all the, all the time. Um, fellowship is the topic of the day, and uh, fellowship, uh, one of the five values that we uh, go after here at City Lights, is super integral to family. Um, I think you could kind of do all four of the other values um, without necessarily needing fa- family, I would say, um, to at least approach worship and ministry and evangelism, but fellowship kind of demands family. And so um, let me go ahead and just put up the, uh, the value of the day, uh, fellowship, um, and, and kind of the word, the, the way that we would want to describe what this means, and then I want to read the scriptures, which I think really validate what this, what this statement is going to say. So um, at City Lights, and what we want to talk about this morning, as we've been in this series called Five Family Values, uh, is, is to talk about um, this value of what it means to belong to one another. Not just to belong to Jesus or just to believe in Jesus, but to belong to his family, to be baptized into his family. And, uh, and this is the way that we want to talk about it this morning. And again, I want to read, read the scripture that uh, we'll be looking at this morning. But it just says this. When we belong to the family of God, we, um, we, we, we change our entire perspective on life. Uh, we begin to um, look uh, at the storyline of our life uh, from instead of the kind of singular individual, individualistic me perspective of like my story, my life, I'm the main character of the story. And one of the things that changes about us, a lot of things change in us because of our encountering Jesus. One of the things that changes about us is the way we look at others, particularly in the church. And, and so the story, the narrative of, of me begins to change, it begins to transform, and it, and it, and it changes us into this, this life of we. So let me read the scripture and see if some of this doesn't pop out to us this morning. We've been reading this uh, for all the different family values um, that we've been talking about one, once a week. Uh, It says in Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves. And this is what we said last week. The reason we know that the uh, the early church uh, was based on values. Um, In other words, they were based on something divine, something bigger than them, something longer than than their success or bigger than their failure. They were rooted in something that was not tethered to circumstance. And we know that because the second word of their um, communal identity in, in describing who they were and what they did, was the word devoted. And when you go to Webster and you look at the definition of devoted, you can't have devotion without divinity. You can't have devotion unless there's something that you're devoted to that matters more to you than anything else in the world. And so we know that they had these values. Okay, and so next week we'll talk about teaching. Julianne Welch will come up. Uh, we'll talk about and discuss the topic of discipleship and moving from being conformed by the world and being conformed to the word. They were devoted to the word. They were devoted to fellowship. And I love that right after that sentence uh, involves uh, food. Amen? Am I right? Can we just get more tropical chicken, more uh, Moe's, welcome to Moe's? I mean, I mean, like, all these other commands of God are, are a little tougher, but this food one I got handled. Uh, so I don't know about you, but the breaking of bread into prayer. And, 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 and all that aside and, and all the jest aside, it is compelling. It is uh, provoking to think of the idea that literally the prescription of godly family 
um, is to be so developed, uh, so devoted um, to fellowship and the breaking of bread. Like literally, that's so important that it's put next to teaching in the sentence. Yeah. So oftentimes when we think about the health of a church, we measure the doctrinal um, beliefs of the church. Like, do they believe in sound doctrine? Uh, Luke, the, the writer of the book of Acts, is noting here that uh, just as much as they were devoted to teaching, they were devoted to one another. Just as much in Hebrews, when we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, which we're not going to look at this morning, but it says the same way as they studied the scripture, they were um, devoted to studying one another, to knowing who, who they were next to. They wanted to know the names and the stories and the strengths and the weaknesses and the needs and the goals of the people in their church that just as important as knowing the word and the will of God was to know the person next to you, the family member next to you. That's how devoted they were to fellowship, to food. Food was important. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So that's kind of a, a tough one that we're going to kind of try and get after this morning. They sold their property and possessions to give. That's the ministry value. Sheila will come up uh, the week after. Um, Julianne, Sheila Dotson, and she'll be uh, helping us the same way as Matt's here this morning to talk about what it means to give to give, not to give with strings, not to give with an agenda, not to give with expectation, just to give because giving is a gift. What does it mean to live a give, giving lifestyle, right? So to give, and they gave just because there were needs without agenda. Every day they continue to meet together back to the fellowship in the home and in the uh, temple courts. So in the home and in the temple, in the small group and in the Sunday service, they met. There was a, there was a non-optional, non-kind of conditional, this is what I will do. This is my yes. There's other things that will say yes, maybe no, but this is a yes in my life. I will not forsake the fellowship of the saints. We will be getting together. Uh, they broke bread in their homes. They ate together again with the food, which is awesome. But I do think, as me and Peter Boyle have discussed this in the past, I think that something about food uh, equalizes us, that the fellowship is circles, not rows. It's not hierarchy. Uh, it is getting together to get together, not for a mission, a purpose, or a problem to fix, but getting together because getting together is good. And that is the, the, the basic premise, I think, of what fellowship means. Is like, we're not getting together for me to, to change you, fix you, break you, mold you. I'm getting together with you because it's good for me and it's good for you. And fellowship says, the food, the breaking of bread says, we all need food just like we all need one another. And the getting together is a circle, not a row, not a hierarchy, not a pyramid. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad sincere hearts. And then last week we talked about worship and why seeing God, beholding God. We are becoming who we're beholding. And if we could see the goodness of God, we would absolutely be available to a get-to life instead of a have-to life. Father, be with us now. Holy Spirit, just guide us as we have this conversation about fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Matt. Here are some words that we have for fellowship that I think describe and um, non-describe. They're non-examples of, uh, of the me life and the we life. Um, some of these words might hit home for us, either in the past, the present, or fear of the future. Um, but I think that uh, each of these words, uh, the, the word me and the word we, I think can encapsulate a lot of important um, dynamics when we think about our belonging, not just to God, but to one another. Think about these words with me uh, and with us, and then I'm going to pass the ball to you, Matt, and just talk a little bit to you when it comes to the American church, not necessarily City Lights or any church that you've been a part of in the past. Where do we get hurt the most or hindered the most when it comes to the culture of me and the culture of we? Where as an American culture uh, do we struggle with this concept? And we'll talk about that in a second. Me means lonely. Me means isolated. Me means independent. Me means mine, unresponsible, not my issue, not my problem. I'm not obligated. I'm not um, culpable. 
No authority, no accountability. There's a great Bonhoeffer quote that says, oftentimes we dream of our ideal of community without its reality, which means we like the connection and belonging part, but we don't like the challenge and accountability part and the responsibility part. Uh, it's an entitlement. Uh, it's an unforgiveness. It's a come near me, but I've got walls up. It's a disconnection. It's a dysfunctional um, counterfeit of what fellowship is. It's a shallow. It's a mile wide. It's an inch deep. It is, um, it is codependent. It is uh, independent, but it's not interdependent. It's isolated. Uh, if, if, if community and isolation were on two different paths, community would be uphill, meaning it's harder to get to rather than downhill. Uh, it would take, it would take uh, effort. Pride. Um, I know it all. I have it all. I don't need you. The we life, for example, though, would have things like uh, mercy, patience, communication, connection, effort, choosing. So there's a choice. There's an intention. There's a you know, predictability, a love, an empathy, an understanding, a listening, an encouragement, plurality, care, invitation, inclusion. These are some of the words that came to mind for me. I know that you might have some. You might have some as well as you talk in your seat with the person next to you. Matt, tell me about your uh, observation of this and just what you've seen. And, and by the way, I, I wanted Matt to come up because I, I just feel like, um, Matt, you do carry um, such a heart for this. And I see a, a lot of fruit in you and Sharon's life when it comes to um, nobody's perfect. But like we said from the beginning, we're, 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 living, we're trying to do a living example, not a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, you're someone who um, I feel just holds a, a conviction for this, you know, and... and uh, would walk into, a, a you know, a, as we all do, into the church family settings, and we think, but we don't have this yet. And I could see, I see you as somebody that wants to be a, a standard bearer for this mm-hmm. and somebody that wants to, to see this in your own life and challenge yourself in your own life as well as challenge the church. So that's one of the reasons why I had you here. But mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about what you see in this list, what pops out to you, what words stick out to you, and, and why. Well, well, first of all, I, I just really think that there is definitely a spiritual component here. It's... Um, you know, the me life is what um, the enemy is trying to draw us to, you know, to an, a life of isolation versus a, a we life is, is God's narrative. So we know there's two narratives going on in our head. So I, I really do believe that, I mean, it's not that you focus on the narrative that's going on in your head, like the, the me words that pop out to you in your own personal life, but it's, it's more about like, like w- be aware that w- which which narrative are you operating on? Are you operating under a narrative of patience and mercy and peace? And are you operating like man? I'm really distant from the people that are around me right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's important to start at that that foundation there, and and to also know that each of you have your own story, right? The things that you struggle with. So like this isn't an exhaustive list, and we're I'm gonna talk on a few that of, of the me words that I think stick out in our church and that hinder us from um, really engaging in what God wants, like what true community is. I mean, it's, it's come be unified together. But like the word independent came up to me, just really hit me like, like man, we struggle with that. And, and I think partly because there's some truth to individualism, you know, right? Like, we're all different, we're all unique, and the, and the world will tell us, hey, be different, be unique, and all that. And being different and unique is great, but it's when, when the enemy gets in there and twists it just a tiny bit, and you go, I don't really need anyone else. 
Like, why do we do church? Like, I come up and I show up on a Sunday morning and I walk out. I don't really need anyone else. You know, it was good preaching and that's all I really need to be here for. But, but man, there's just so much more. Like, there's so much more to life than that. And then, then I looked at, like, the word isolated. And it's just, I mean, it, it kind of says the same thing. You know, we, we're isolated. We come in and out of church without without even talking to anyone. We, we just, like, we feel alone. We feel like no one loves us, but yet we don't really engage with the people around us. And, like, there are so many wonderful people in this room and so many people that I've gotten the opportunity to get to know. And, wow, it's just, I learn so much more about God when I look at others because they, they, they know it a little better than us. And I, I think one of the biggest things that really hinders, like, the American church is this word unforgiveness. Like, we go into our churches, and we get hurt. I mean, you know, let's just face it. When you're around enough people, there are going to be things that are going to hurt you. And we go into that, and we just, you know, like there's something that will, will hurt us in a certain way or, or prick us in a certain way. And, like, instead of really, like, asking for forgiveness there or really true seeking reconciliation in that relationship, we just move on. Like, we either distance ourselves from that person or we move to another church. And what that hinders to me is the unity of the Big C Church. Like, I really do believe that, um, you know, everything has its place, you know, here. And so that, that's another big one. But I think probably the biggest one to me is expectations. Like, I, I, he told me only three, but I hit four. Um, because expectations is our experiences which make us different and um, is a good thing. But when our expectations, it's the word expect. When we walk into our churches and we expect something from someone else or we, um, like, want things to look a certain way. Like, I, I know I have church experiences, right? Good, ch- good church experiences. I'm like, when we start using, like, why don't they do this? Or why doesn't she do this? Or why doesn't he do this? Instead of really engaging in that, I mean, I just, I mean, I know that's kind of all over the board there, but, man, it's just, that expectation word, um, we have, um, you know, I, I, one of the statements that I, came up to me is like, we've become consumers. We come in and we just expect everything to happen to us. Like, I expect Oliver to heal all of my problems instead of really engaging. And like, when we start looking at the opposites, like, you know, patience, communication, connection. I mean, man, are you, I mean, I could go on and on talking about this. But, um, yeah. I think I think one of the uh, one of the statistics that came stuck out to me in the last couple of weeks as I've been thinking and preparing for this um, uh, was I I heard a statistic that said that since the year year 2000 that uh, the the church uh, attendance on Sunday mornings um, has gone down from since the the year 2000 by 40 percent. And increasingly, I think, um, you know, if, if there's, you know, church history books or whatever or or I don't know, some sort of even just at least a testament in heaven of 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 what our era and generation is about, I think we struggle with this quite a bit. I think that technology, you know, and the phone uh, and and the access to information um, makes us more connected than ever with less community than ever. And I think we feel that. I think we feel that in schools. I think we feel that in homes. I think we feel that 
um, in workplaces and in society in general, and I think it's not exclusive to church. And I think what we're trying to do right now and what I've seen in so many conversations is can I belong to God without having to belong to others? That's kind of the search. It's like can I belong to God and only belong to people that I like and are like me? And when I was confronted a few, few uh, weeks ago <clears throat> by just, you know, just this question of like, you know, why church and why do I need to come to church and what, what's the benefit? I can, I can kind of have my community, my small group and so forth. What, what we miss in our small groups, in our smaller private, you know, spaces of, of connection is we miss the nations and we miss the generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we miss people that are not like us and people yeah. that we don't like. And necessarily, when Jesus has his final prayer, you know, to the Father before he goes to heaven, um, the topic of conversation to his father, Jesus' last conversation was, I want them to be one, as, as, as we are one. And, and, and further than that, that people are going to know who I am because they're one, because they're unified, not just because of the people that they like and people that are like them, but because they're one based on, on the fact that I'm not dead, I'm alive. The, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes the linchpin of, of community and, and, and unity. And so... Um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that, uh, that this conversation as we talk about, and I want to talk a little bit about the practicals about, yeah, yeah. about worship night at, at your house and as well as um, some experiences that I've had. But, um, but, but yeah, I, th- I think that as if you're just joining us, we're, we're talking about just this value of, um, of fellowship and, and how belonging uh, is so important to the process of believing and that we want to be able to grow to belong to God uh, without necessarily needing to belong to one another. But what we find is that our process and growth uh, is so much less about information and more about invitation into life, into life on life. And so uh, though it is difficult, I think that's what we're talking about, though it's, not, um, though it's rare <clears throat> and though it requires um, effort, it is, uh, it is worth it. Let's talk about, um, uh, as we were talking at Starbucks yesterday about this, you were talking about worship night, mm-hmm. uh, this thing that you had at your house um, on Friday nights a couple of years ago. Um, some of the surprises that came about as you and Sharon went ahead and opened the doors uh, to that, some of the things that were easy about it, hard about it, but I, I tended to think as I listened to it, um, this is what Acts 2 would look like in 2019 yeah. and what fellowship would look like. Um, some ways it was more difficult and surprising, some ways it was more rewarding and surprising. Tell me about worship night, what you found there, what you learned there, and uh, how you were encouraged by it. <clears throat> Well, I mean, it just really started with, um, you know, I'm going to go back um, to um, basically uh, a girl phoned my wife and said, you know, she lived in central South Carolina and said, you know, I need, I need a place to stay on the weekends because I don't have a car and I want to go to church at City Lights and I need a place to stay. Well, I mean, you got to know us. Um, we don't have a big house. We don't have a lot of room. In fact, we didn't even have a bed. Um, we we'd had a mattress that laid in the floor. That That's... That's essentially what we had to, to offer her. But, like, we're, it basically was a call. It's like, why not us? Like, she obviously wants to be at our home, so why wouldn't we open our home? So we opened our home to her, and out of that, I mean, you know, it was just, it was that first step, right? We, we made that step, like, oh, we can do this. And then... Out of that step led to um, one night we went out with um, the Griners, um, went to um, dinner with them. And these people were staying at our house, and they said, um, can we have people over? They were babysitting our kids, and they said, can we have people over? And we are like, sure, why not? And we come to our house, and there's a, f- a house full of people. I mean, not, not in you know, the old 
you know, what you think, the old party way where you got, like, people running wild and everything. It was just, you know, a group of people. They were there. And we are like, you know, this seems right. Why don't we have people at our home? And then, just, you know, long story short, you know, there's a few weeks in between there. Um, one night um, we had a party, and someone got a guitar out, and we started worshiping. And, it, you know, it was about midnight when we started worshiping. We worshiped about 2 in the morning, and something clicked. And then it became a consistent, like we found out these people didn't have a place to go to on a Friday night. So at 8 o'clock every Friday night for about two and a half years, we opened our home. And it was without fail at 8 o'clock, everyone knew there was worship night at the Cochran's. And now in that, you know, you think, oh, there's worshiping and all this stuff. No, we played games. We ate snacks and comes down to our finances again. We didn't have much money. We're like, how are we going to provide snacks? So we asked people to help bring things. I mean, so it, what, the reason I say those kind of points is because it didn't take much. It's, it doesn't take money. It, you know, here's all the things the enemy tells you, right? He goes, you don't have a big house. You don't have money. You don't have anything to offer. That's what the enemy was saying all this time. And I said, but why not? Like, why? And these people just wanted a, a place to hang out. So we started worship nights, and... There were nights that went from, um, you know, and to say that you set aside every Friday night for an indefinite amount of time, there were opportunities that we had to, like, say, oh, we can't, we can't do this because people are coming over to our house Friday night. Sometimes we'd have two people show up, and you're like, is it really worth it for two people? Yes, mm-hmm. it's worth it for two because some of the best conversations come out of those two. And there were nights we had 30 people, and if you know my house, my house is really small. We'd have to move all the furniture back, and we'd have 30 people, and we'd have two young kids at the time, one a baby, sleeping in another room, and we'd worship at the top of our lungs for hours. So I would say, you know, you asked the question, what were some of the the things um, that, that made it successful for two, I mean, two years? I mean, who does something for two years in you know, and we didn't even think that, you know, wasn't anything we ever announced from stage here at church. People just heard about it. And, like, there were people that I didn't even know. So what made it successful? Well, one, we all had one thing in common. And that was at some point in time in the night, they knew Matt Cochran was going to sit in a room with everyone. And we were going to sit in a circle. And we were going to talk about our problems. And we were going to worship God. They knew that was going to happen at some point in time. But they also knew they were going to find people there to to become friends with, find people there to have coffee with. And, you know, there's food, of course. I mean, you can't have a gathering without food. And like I said, you don't have to have a lot of money. Say, hey, like, we, we had the rhythm. It was funny because we would send out a text to a bunch of people and say, hey, guys bring salty, girls bring sweet. That's, that was our thing. It was very simple, easy rhythm. But, like, sometimes we would have a lot of sweet and no salty. And that would tell you, you got a lot of girls coming that night and a lot of guys not there. And then sometimes we would have all salty. And then that, those nights, my wife would go into the back bedroom and, and I'd hang out with a bunch of guys. But it was just, it was such a sweet time. And I would say that that was like, it was a door opening. So like, we'll talk about like predictability later. And we'll talk about the vulnerability that happened in the one-to-one but, man, I mean, what powerful language. And 
So I say all that to be said, and I think the reason why my story is important is because it took one step of obedience. It took one yes. And I'll go and tell you, some of my best friends have come out of that. I've counseled people, countless people because they showed up on a worship night, and they're like, I trust that guy. Can we have coffee? I'm going through a really hard time. I mean, I had a guy that, you know, showed up, and, you know, he was just like, you know, struggling with something, and I decided, I, would, I was like, hey, I'm going to mentor you. You know, it's it, all those things, man. It was just, it, it's what God has called us to. And, and I would say it's simple, really. I mean, you know, like if, you, if I wanted to impart something for all of you, everyone can make a step towards togetherness, fellowship, we life. Like you're making one step or the other. You're either making a, a step towards the we or you're making a step towards me and isolation. And I even had to look at that myself because we talk about worship nights and people still talk about it to this day that, that we're around during that time. And I'm like, why don't we have those again? You know, so like that's conversations my wife and I have. So that's my step towards we. It's like if people really want this, why wouldn't we do it again? Um, that, those kind of things. But, like, it starts with coffee with someone, inviting someone to a meal, playing disc golf. I mean, there is a number of steps that you can make, and not every step is as grand. I mean, you look at my life, and you're like, wow, you know, I, I want you to know I was once a guy that lived in isolation that didn't um, go, wasn't involved in a small group. I mean, this is, like, recent story. I started City Lights with that story. I wasn't really involved in city lights, wasn't involved in people's lives. I didn't have anything to give to people. And I went from that life to there's probably not a week that goes by that I'm not meeting with someone for coffee. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of my story. That's, I feel that that's what you guys need to hear today. It's like everyone, and all of you have a story. Every single one of you has a story. And it might not sound as, as cool. Oh, you had worship nights. Well, there were many nights that we sat and we're like, is anyone showing up this week? And we're like, why do we keep doing this? I mean, we, we had those struggles in, in the midst of it. We had the struggles where, I mean, I think there was probably on four occasions in the two years that no one showed up. Hmm. And then you're like, do we keep doing it? And then we would hear a story that came out of it. And we're like, yeah. And we'd ask God, hey, do we keep doing this? And we, we kept doing it. Like I said, two years. Yeah. So, um, my heart. so here's what I hear you saying, and this is something that my wife uh, says that I say a lot. Um, but yeah, just some of the highlights that I took out of that that, that I think are great take homes, Matt. And, and I, I appreciate so much of what you shared already. But just um, I hear you saying that um, that it is a commitment, but it's a light yoke. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say air mattress and uh, sweet and salty, we can do that. You know, like 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 we think about uh, we measure hard and difficult. Um, you know, based on, you know, the convenience of my iPhone doesn't even have a cord on it anymore to get my earbuds into them anymore. That kind of convenience, like I want things to be now, I want things to be immediate. It's not immediate. I hear you saying it's slow and it's low, but in terms of, is it hard? Well, it's more rewarding than it is a cost is what I hear you saying. Um, I I remember, um, I was on, um, a a mission trip. Both me and Kyra went to Haiti, um, right after the earthquake hit, I guess in 2011, in a series of about a year, both of us went for a week-long mission trip. And I think that's probably the furthest or the longest uh, at that point that I'd been you know, on, on a mission trip before. And there's a culture shock to that. Like both getting there and coming home, it's like, boy, there's more than one way to live. 
There's more than one way to eat, sleep, pray, live. There's more than one way to do this. And I can't is really just I won't a lot of times is what you find out, you know, is that we have so much more potential and possibility of upward intimacy and, and connection and fellowship than, than, we, than we give ourselves and God credit for when we go to trips like that. It's 110 degrees. It's swampy hot. There's like golf ball size mosquito bugs on my neck. And, uh, but strangely, there's more joy in everybody that we're around than at home. And that is the eye-opening kind of cultural shock that I think you get going there and coming back. What I learned over there and what I sensed, you know, Kyra was coming alive too, you know, like I remember seeing her before, during, and after, you know, the trip, is that um, when, when the enemy has the ability to rob us from community, he robs a lot from us. Yes. There is an energy, a strength. I mean, we were up at four in the morning and, and, and going to sleep at 11 o'clock at night working in the heat and never missed a beat. We were, we were more energized. And energy and time is, is, is almost a state of mind. It's always multiplied in the hands of the Lord. And the energy and time factor is really not an actual factor. I mean, it's absolutely uh, a logistical one that feels like it's measure, <coughs> measurable. Um, but in a strange kingdom way, it's kind of not. And so it's like, I think one of the things that we get a window to when we go on mission trips, and I'm sure that many of us in the room have gone or experienced things like this before, is that we're not meant to be alone. And oftentimes the problems that we try and solve in isolation get us further into isolation. And, uh, and we think that the problem of community and others is actually the problem, but it's actually the solution. And, and, and so much of what the we life offers, if you see in, in some of these scriptures, is they were just gathering together every day because uh, they were getting together just to get together, that mission was easy, that friendship was easy, that uh, stress and managing commitments and managing stuff became easier in the we uh, than, than the me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think we wanted to talk about three kind of practical um, ideas about this. I think, you know, just, again, connecting it back to the overall conversation of values. Values are what you do, not what you talk about. And values need lightweight, repeatable, and multipliable rhythms. They need practical rhythms. Like, if I value it, I do it. I don't value the things I don't do. And so a lot of the conversation as we continue to, as we kind of close up this discussion is just to talk about three um, pillars, I think, that, of things that we could potentially practically commit to and things that we've heard in both of these stories today and many of your stories, I'm sure, if you were to sit down for coffee with somebody next to you to talk about three things that get you to community on purpose rather than on accident um, and three things that we could be devoted to. Like, in other words, um, say yes to them before any other yes and put our yes first in these areas, um, we probably wouldn't be able to enjoy community without these yeses and probably with these yeses, not, in, not overnight, not in you know, the next 30 days, but over the long haul, over a commitment of just saying yes, of being predictable, of being vulnerable, of being generous, were the words that are up on the screen there. I wonder where it would take us. Let's take the first one, for example, and talk about this, and, and we do have to move uh, quickly. Why don't we take one, one apiece so that we can make sure to land on time? But you talk about predictability. We obviously heard a lot of that in your story and the theme of predictability. Why do you think predictability matters so much to the building of community? Well, I mean, people need to know, like, where they can gather. I mean, you know, like people, need to, need, people need to count on something. There's so much stuff up in the air, and, we, and like, I love organic stuff, right? I mean, we had organic in there, but, like, we don't have worship nights if someone didn't plan the party. Yeah. If someone wasn't, like, sending out the text. My wife was notorious for sending out the text Friday. Like, we didn't send it out, like, days ahead of time. Send it out on Friday. Who's coming? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So predictability, it, it does matter. 
it matters, like consistency, consistently doing the same thing over and over, repeatable rhythms is a really big thing, I would say. Um, yeah, one of the things I heard you say is parties don't host themselves. Yeah. And, and, and so, for sure, there's almost two different groups of people in this church, in this room today. There are some that are new, and we just want to invite you to the party. Um, but one of the greatest things we're going to need to build family, family is a vision statement, not a reality statement. So, so if you're th- sitting here like it doesn't feel like family yet, that's because we need to build it. And it, we will always need to build it. And one of the ways we build it is by not just coming to the event, but hosting it, yep. but being predictably hosting mm-hmm. parties. Two, vulnerability. And this is not a uh, Stranger Things spoiler, but it is a line from the show, so I'm going to steal it today. One of the father figures says to one of the children figures, and I thought it was very profound, Embrace the pain that you have in your life because it means you're not in that box of walls and boundaries. Mm. Embrace the pain. And, and, and what the message is that I caught from that is that there is no community without pain. There is no community without vulnerability. And there is no trust without truth. And so in the way of, of building community, I have to decide who are my front porch conversations, who are my driveway conversations in terms of boundaries, who are my living room conversations and who are my back porch conversations. And I need to intentionally put myself oftentimes in the one-on-one. We can't experience intimacy in a big public setting, you know, and find community in places like this. We find community in the one-on-ones. So these are on-ramps into those one-on-one back porch conversations. Are we continually putting ourselves with walls down in front of people that we are opening our lives to? We can't have a relationship without trust, and we can't have trust without truth. And so the scripture is very clear that we are to worship God both in spirit and in truth. And um, God can change anybody except for a fake person. <laughs> and, uh, and community can work on anybody except for fake people. And so uh, what if instead of being a mile wide and an inch deep, we committed to a one-on-one conversation and shared everything with one person? Not sharing everything with every person, but sharing everything with one person would do a lot in building community. You want to talk about generosity as we wrap up? Well, I mean, generosity is just, you know, giving of your time, you know, giving your time to people, you know, praying for people by name. Um, you know, I just think it's a very powerful thing is like, is, you know, the one thing that um, we have abundance of, but the one thing that we say we don't have is time. Mm. Like everyone has time. Like, it, it, but you have to determine what your time is, right? You have to determine that between you and God. But I would always challenge you, like, oh, I don't have time to have coffee with someone. Well, I mean, come on, we were talking like an hour, you know, but it's being generous of your time because guess what? When I'm spending coffee with someone for two hours, I'm not spending time with my family or, but more, you know, when I get back to the me thing, right? I'm not sitting in front of a TV watching the Braves game, you know, Mm. I mean, that's essentially what I'm taking away. Mm. So it's just being generous. It's, It's being, it's looking through God's lens. Like when we look through the eyes of God, we see things a whole lot differently. And then, like generosity, it's not like a have to, it's, it's a get to, and it's something you'll get to if you keep your eyes fixed on him. He's going to show you the needs around you. He's going to show you how to be generous. He's going to mm. show you the person that calls us up and says, hey, I need a place to stay on the weekends. Mm. We're going to wrap things up and invite the band to come forward for just a, a short refrain of worship as we close today. On the screen, you're going to see a couple of uh, vehicles. Vehicles is the word that we just use, like saying that values need to have vehicles to get us to those values. And if you look at the fellowship value there, uh, one of the ways that we do fellowship here is through men's, women's, and young professionals. We know that uh, if, if a couple comes together to a fellowship event, oftentimes they'll talk to one another. But if they're at men's or at women's, there's just a level of depth that we mm-hmm. can be intentional about in men's, women's, and young professionals. And so, especially in the fall, you'll see we're going to get cranking up with more of these fellowship events. But as we said before, these are just vehicles. They're not the value. The value is an in- inside-out decision 
decision to, be, uh, to show up, to be present, to be vulnerable, to be walls down with others in, in a, on a day-by-day basis. Here's what I hear the good news of all this is, though, mm-hmm. is that it's harder than uh, we think, but it's better than we think, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's an easy and a light yoke. Mm-hmm. What I've found about uh, uh, a lot of times... Um, you know, even just things like exercise, but something really valuable like fellowship is there's an inertia to it. There's a sense of what's hard to get started is hard to stop once it gets started. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder what it looks like in your life, but in our corporate life to sort of get the ball rolling, just to get the thing moving. And that's what fellowship events are. Fellowship uh, is not a promise to every person in this church that you're going to find a friend, but it is an opportunity to do so. And so what does it look like to show up, to be present, and to bring yourself, all of yourself, to some of these events, to connect with others? We are called to the whole church, not just our side of the church, just mm-hmm. the people we like and that are like us. And uh, we are called to belong to one another. And there is no belonging to God without belonging to one another. Mm-hmm. And so let me pray for us as we transition here. Um, so Jesus, I just thank you for those that are gathered in this room, for each story as Matt has, share, has talked about and, and even shared his story, for each short story that's gathered here that's a part of yours. And God, I, sp- I just pray for a very specific grace to fall on our community, God, of, of, of a, just a refresh and a renew um, for, uh, for a grace that would just say, I know it's hard, but I choose into it, into community, into vulnerability, into generosity. Um, so I thank you for a, 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 just a, a growth and a thriving of fellowship um, that's already happening in our community, and I ask for more. And I know that you are the one that does it because uh, the, the Holy Spirit is the gift of unity. So we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.